0: Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. We're right here on your community radio station, Forward Radio, 106.5 FM. We we live broadcast to you from right here in the historic Habern Building at 106.5, and we also live stream anywhere you are online at forwardradio.org, uh, which, while you're there, hey, why don't you become a part of this community radio station? This is radio for the people by the people, and we want you to be the people behind these microphones. Let's get more voices out there and put a megaphone in front of these important progressive movements in our city. That's what this station's all about, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. So, hey, pitch us a program right now at forwardradio.org. We can get you on the air right away. We'll get you trained if you want to do a weekly show, or you don't even need to be trained if you just want to do a one-time access hour. We'd love to have you. And we'd also rely entirely on your financial contributions. So if you want to chip in a few bucks at forwardradio.org, help keep us on the air. We'd love to have you. Well, it is election season my friend and so i'm always thrilled when i get a chance to get some of these amazing candidates in the studio and we have in the studio with me here on sustainability now a candidate for mayor who you may not have heard of if you're only paying attention to the mainstream media we are independent media so we are excited to be bringing you an independent mayoral candidate in the studio with me is martina kunicki welcome martina
1: thank you Thanks so much for having me. It's
0: great to be here. I'm glad we found time in your busy schedule. I know you've been running around. Like Uh, crazy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, being kept out of a lot of the forums that people are seeing on mainstream media, though, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, as a community activist, I've been president for neighborhood planning and preservation for many years. And we've been involved in a lot of struggles against the powers that be in the areas of land use, preservation, environmental issues. And so it's not unusual for us not to get a fair shake Mm -hmm. from the media or from the powers that be in general. So my campaign staff has been like, whoa, why is this? But this is...
0: this is business as usual exactly well before we get any further into our conversations let me introduce you to the listeners uh martina was born and raised right here in louisville and as she said a longtime advocate with neighborhood planning and preservation for historic preservation environmental justice and i think really importantly and certainly in line with the mission of this station a stronger role for citizens in the city's decision making right um now before we also go any further, I need to remind listeners that Ford Radio and myself, as the host, we don't we don't endorse any particular candidates, and we offer equal airtime to all candidates for any registered uh, any registered candidate for any office. So you can get in touch with us at forwardradio.org if you're interested in equal airtime. I also want to let people know about the election itself before we dive any more in, into you, Martina. Um, folks, go to govoteky.com because this is where you can learn where to vote when you can vote where you can access a sample ballot for your precinct and believe me <laughs> with two constitutional amendments a u.s and kentucky congressional seats nine candidates for louisville mayor and every single judge on the ballot and a JCPS seat in some places you most definitely want to do some research before you show Absolutely. up at the polls my friends uh that is why it's really important this year especially i know every uh, probably every election we say this but believe me i don't I downloaded my sample ballot, and I was like, what? Look at all these people. I've never even heard of these. What is all this stuff, right? So you need to do a little research at GoVoteKY.com, but I can tell you that in-person excused absentee voting, so if you know you can't vote on the day of the election, which of course is November 8th, you can get an excused absentee voting uh, in-person starting uh, Wednesday, October 26th, uh, and runs through Friday the 28th, and then also Monday the 31st through uh, Wednesday, November 2nd. That's from 8.30 to 4.30 at the Jefferson County Clerk's Election Center there at 1000 East Liberty. There is also now, thankfully, no-excuse absentee early voting for all the rest of us who want to not stand in long lines on Election Day. You can vote early Thursday through Saturday before the election. That's November 3rd through 5th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Many locations around Jefferson County. What are there? seven different locations? I'm not going to read all those right now. You can find them at GoVoteKY.com. And then, of course, Election Day itself is on Tuesday, November 8th from 6 a.m., 6 p.m. And let's talk about the Louisville mayor position. Uh, There are nine candidates on the ballot for mayor. You've probably only heard of the Republican and the Democrat. That's Bill D. Roof and uh, Craig Greenberg. But there's a socialist candidate, uh, Ike Thacker. Uh, Then then there are, uh, let's see, it would be six other uh, independent candidates, including our guest today, uh, Martina uh, Nichols Konecki is how you appear on the ballot. But there's also David Ellenberger, uh, Manetta Lemke, Kattier, Robert Eberens, John Mace, and Taylor Everett. All right, let's talk about your campaign and why you got into this,
1: <laughs> well, It's not something I ever expected to do. I'm not saying that I'm not political, because I am, obviously, and I always have been. But I've always been on the people side, on the community side and for several years people several elections people have said why don't you run right really? and i just did not want to do so mm. and what happened this year were two things first of all i remembered uh, a conversation with one of my grandchildren years ago who wondered why are you so busy with what you're doing i was getting ready for a land use meeting or, a yeah. bar or something and so i explained and she said who's paying you for this are you <laughs> how much are they paying you i said nobody and she says, oh, my, that is stupid. And so, of course, I lectured her on the importance of community service and, right and all that. But this time around, I looked at the situation, and I saw that the apparent front runners are going to be more of the same. Definitely. And yeah. then I reflected on my experience as a community activist for over 20 years. And the bottom line is this. I can make a lot of noise. I can raise issues. As we said earlier, a lot of times the media is not going to reflect those issues. Mm. And we really need to start getting people in office who are going to put our words into action. And the only way that's going to happen is for some of us to cross over to the dark side. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> so, that's why, you know, and then I'm working with a group that I helped pull together, the Citizens Coalition for Land Use Reform in response to the city's attempt to do land use reform under the umbrella of equity. But when you looked at what they were doing, it had nothing to do with that. Mm. And... Uh, Folks on that committee said, please run, because please. we have been working for about a year, so frustrated that this group was making recommendations and just kind of running into yeah. more brick
0: walls than not. Yeah. Well, your slogan is the key to a metro that works for us. So I have to ask, who has metro government been working for and how will you change that? Well, we need to
1: face as a community that we have had a corporate capture of our metro government. And it's been a long time. A lot of people don't like to use the word corporate. We can all say elite. There's a small group of people that have incredible control and power over our government. And so within the last administration, but even before that, we had entities, and many times they're outside of Louisville. They're coming in Hmm. from Chicago. I mean, just down the street, the takeover of our downtown Mm -hmm. is a good example of that. So they have been able to acquire access to our government to influence our policy. And so there's been a lot of policy walk back in the last uh, decade or so that keeps backing uh, the community away from the processes that are designed to protect them. So our ordinances, so many, so many aspects of local government have been tweaked just a little bit so that the powers that be, generally those that have a lot of money, generally those who are saying, we're going to invest, we're investing, we're investing. But they're not really investing in our community to our benefit. They're yeah. investing for their benefit.
0: So I will say... As a resident of Paristown, which has been suffering under the city's inability to redevelop this prime real estate in Paristown, the the urban government center, uh, much less to protect the historic preservation possibilities there. To me, it certainly comes across like, boy, this government is really just incompetent. Like, why can't they seem to do the most basic functions? It sounds like you're suggesting it's not incompetence, it's intentional. It's
1: intentional, but it has a heavy overlay of faux public participation. For sure. It has uh, the concealing of the fact that this... Paris Town is like the poster child (laughs) of... Good, let's talk about ...of governmental dysfunction (laughs) and how many of us... It can just completely go over our heads because if we're not living in Paris Town... We just hear, ooh, something great is coming in Paris town. Right, right, right. But then when you look at the process, so this is a project that, if I'm not mistaken, and there's so many of these, so <laughs> forgive me if I get them I mixed know. up. I know. But it's an example of how a grain of a good idea was put out there for bid. There were local developers that bid there was public participation that said, hey, we prefer this particular developer, and it was Underhill Associates, who has a reputation of rehabbing and doing a great job in Louisville, Kentucky. Their plan was the only plan. I forget how many proposals were in on the first round. Something but, like
0: nine on the first round. But oh that was God. so long ago now. Twenty seventeen? <laughs> I can't even remember.
1: Listen, we have started collecting <laughs> petitions to landmark, and this is for those who are my age group, this is the site of the old Baptist hospital. Yeah. And quite a history surrounding that, yeah. but I won't bore everybody with that. But that first round was excruciating. And then there were two other rounds, and each time we began to landmark that building. I have copies of each landmarking petition that we were going to use each time. And
0: what does that mean for our listeners who aren't familiar? What does landmarking mean?
1: Well, we were going to landmark the property to protect it, and so that meant you had to get so many signatures from the community. That meant you had to do a historic justification, so we wrote a tome about it. Uh Uh-huh and then attend one excruciating meeting after another. <laughs> but the, the, the thing about Paristown, though, it was so in your face that the powers that be were going to have their way. So the Underhill uh, company was chosen once, twice. Then there was something weird that happened, that he they were sort of awarded the project, but they were set up in such a way that they were going to not be able to meet the obligations of this weird agreement. And so at the end of the day, the folks that were really pushing hard to get it to begin with, who have connections in this town,
0: they got the property. With, like, no actual plan, with and that. no actual money behind it, no investors, <laughs> yes. no partners lined up. It was it's it was so clearly just like this fantasy land of, oh, here's what we're going to do. And the proposal itself was just horrendous. Like, we want office space and a parking garage in this community? Like, really? <laughs> oh, the footprint, you know, is so... <laughs> and a boutique hotel. Don't and forget a the boutique. boutique
1: hotel. Oh, yes. We Gotta must have, have that, a hotel right? every chance <laughs> we get. <laughs> And the footprint is so small over there. And I have to tell you, I used to live in that community back in the day. I was a young hippie back in the day. And I lived over on Breckenridge, which is like on the... You know, mm-hmm. the edge of Paris Town Point, mm-hmm. what they're now. It used to all be Germantown. Yeah. But I remember that community as a very walkable community. Definitely, yeah. I used to like, uh, I had one daughter at the time. I used to like walking through the Baptist Hospital property. there, And that it was functioning as a hospital at that time. Mm-hmm. And the nursing school had just one or two more years to go. But I know what a community looks like when it functions. And I'm sorry, it does not come from boutique hotels, (laughs) from these apartments that no one's going to be able to afford. And so when you hear these developers say, oh, we're going to maintain the ambiance of the community, I lived in that community. It was a working class community. And it was a community that served. We had, you know, stores to go to and that sort of thing. So the way it's going now, and I just don't think they'll be able to pull it off. No. But what people need to realize is, is the cost there is for the citizens in staff time that is wasted. Right. And staff, staff has never told me this, but they are abused horribly through this process. Mm. Uh, the loss in terms of property, that's public property over there. And then in all likelihood... Those developers are going to get some kind of tax abatement or some kind of incentive. Uh, In other words, they'll get a TIF. They'll get an IRB. They'll get something that we're actually paying for to build what they want.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm speaking today with an independent candidate for Louisville's mayor. Martina Kunicki, and you can learn more about Martina at Kunicki4Mayor.com. That's K-U-N-N-E-C-K-E-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R.com. And she is one of nine mayoral candidates. If you download your sample ballot at GoVoteKY.com, you will see that you have many choices on November 8th voting day, uh, or you can vote early as well and learn about that at GoVoteKY.com. All right that's one poster child we don't want to spend the whole day talking about paris town but while we're on the topic of demolition by neglect and unsustainable vague plans and faux public processes why don't you talk about a few other poster children in louisville
1: yeah i'm glad you mentioned demolition by neglect and just to let people know that is a technique that a lot of these developers use to uh, justify bringing down some of our historic properties so they will purchase them And just let them decline. But, you know, one of the biggest neglectors is the city of Louisville. And the Baptist Hospital property is an example of that. So that's really. the gardens. Yeah.
0: Every time I go by the gardens, I'm like, what?
1: Whoa. (laughs) Anyway.
0: Okay, yeah. Baptist (laughs) Hospital. Let's talk about that. Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) But some of the other examples, you know, I've worked with communities all over town. And so recently... I was invited to, this was a forum I was invited to. Thank you, Eastwood Village uh, Association, nice. out in the eastern part of the county. And there, they're, they're concerned about the construction of a new school by JCPS. JCPS is also a very interesting entity to deal with, metro-wide. But apparently a school is being built there that the community did not really ask for, And one of the issues is a narrow road leading to the school, Mm. which is already sort of a safety issue out in that community. That community is concerned that the road repairs or augmentations that need to happen will not be complete before the school opens. So the state says that road's not going to be done until 2025. Wow. But the school, surprise, surprise, will be ready to go. (laughs) 2023. So there's a couple of issues here, and once again, the community has made their views known, and they're just being, in my view, I don't want to speak for them, but they're being railroaded. And this is going to happen, you know, that term, it's a done deal. That is proxy for this is corporate control, this is corporate capture here, and you have nothing to say about it. The uh, other issue regarding that. And this is why I tell folks what happens in Floyd's Fork, what happens in Paristown, what happens in the West End, the South End, should matter to all of us. Because at the end of the day, there is a public cost. Yeah. And one of the public costs out in this area of town is going to be just the total destruction, the final nail in the coffin for Floyd's Creek. Mm. It's the only surviving living creek Mm -hmm. in our community. It's the only creek you can still fish in and swim in. Yeah. Just the school alone is going to kill that. Wow. But not to mention, and there's a wonderful fellow, and I'm not going to be able to call his name correctly, Lucas. He's done a wonderful analysis of how much the proposed development, they're building like mad out there.
0: As I knew they would as soon as they invested in the parklands.
1: (laughs) Don't get me started (laughs) on the parklands.
0: Yes, yes, they're building like crazy, and there's an environmental cost to that. There's and, a heavy environmental cost. And that's cost. a socialized cost, so we're all going to be paying for it. We're right? going
1: to be paying for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some people that will say, well, you know, they're just worried about their dwarfs being stolen out there. or that, <laughs> You know, there are they're, they're folks that want to make this a class issue. Right, right, right. But there are real environmental costs that cost all of us. We need that uh, the rural fringe. We need it. We need these trees And so, yeah, so that's one of my – but I'm glad you mentioned the Parklands because one of my other concerns is the takeover of these consultancies, these private companies, foundations of our public functions. Yeah. So entities like the Parklands, even Olmstead to some extent, and then uh, there's another one, the Parks Foundation or Parks for All, We have questioned why suddenly they are the gatekeepers to our park system. Yeah, what's up with that? What is up with that? What is the cost (laughs) with that? The rebuttal is, well, you know, we don't have the staff, or they don't have the expertise. And I'm not saying we should never uh, engage consultants, because I used to be a consultant. Sure, sure. But when we turn entire departments, so it seems, over to the consultant class... There's a cost to that in terms of access. You know, we can't get to our park services as easily as we could before. Mm-hmm. And in terms of paying them, paying staff that apparently, when did our staff become so lacking in skills? Right, We've right. had a brain drain in this community. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. But glad you mentioned the parklands. What about Waterfront Park? <sighs> what about <it?
0: laughs> I mean, is that the same deal? Like, why is this a private organization that runs our waterfront park
1: i think you know we have to face the fact that when you have businessmen that that mythology that businessmen are lawyers make our best public servants is it has definitely been disproven so many times so we had a businessman take office and in a way you cannot blame him because in their world and their reality success is what Making a deal, <laughs> acquiring property, right, right. building, building, build it, and they'll come. Mm-hmm. And so, to them, that is success, and that's where they stop. That's where their analysis stops. Mm-hmm. But for us, our metrics are different. You know, can we walk in our neighborhood? Can we go to our parks when we want to? Can we make sure that a corporation from Indianapolis or Chicago is not going to build a big building that's going to wipe out all the sun in my backyard, cause traffic problems, flooding? Our metrics are different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Martina, you you point out that you were one of only two women running for mayor, and the media has largely ignored you. So talk to us about sexism in Louisville and what electing the first woman mayor would mean for us.
1: Well, I'm a historian, and I, I kind of get weary of folks using, this is historic, this will be historic. <laughs> Sadly, it would be historic. And here it is, 2022, (laughs) and we've had all these wake-up calls, and we have yet to have a female mayor, an African-American mayor, Mm -hmm. or a mayor that's really outside of that elite class, Mm -hmm. not in my memory. Mm -hmm. So we've had a tradition of the powers that be handing to us on a silver platter Mm -hmm. who they think should be mayor. And so this campaign campaign, has taught me so much about how that's just a horrible look for the city in yeah. you know in light of what we've gone through in the last couple of years. but now, unlike my campaign staff, the exclusion of me and, and i I can never pronounce her like she has a funny last name like I do, but me and Minetta and <laughs> Minetta, really yeah. some of the other independents at these uh forums, that's a serious issue. And what I've told my staff, first of all, this is, you know, business as usual, but also this is what many of us have been screaming about for decades, that this is a form of voter suppression mm-hmm. because to, for voters to be informed about who's running, what the issues are, that is in- essential to inform voting. Right. So for the powers that be to say, Okay, we've got two front runners, that's gonna be it right. that is very, very troubling and it has always been accepted before now. We were not invited to the Louisville Forum. The Louisville forum advertises itself or as nonpartisan Wow So since when does just including the Republican <laughs> and the Democrat qualify as nonpartisan yeah but even even today I received notice that the urban League was doing something and there were going to be the two white male candidates. I can't speak for Miss Manetta, but I know that Martina Nichols-Kennege was not invited. We've had great luck with Neighborhood associations. so the Shawnee Neighborhood, I'm going to give them a shout-out out out because out. Yeah. Shawnee Neighborhood Association, the Iroquois Neighborhood Association, the Eastwood Community Group, and Vocal Kentucky.
0: Yeah, Vocal, right here in the Haber Building, yes. They Absolutely.
1: invited all of us, and so I hope this is a wake-up to the community in general no matter what happens in this election we should never again tolerate people deciding who's worth listening to in terms of our
0: candidates and elections are about more than just who crosses the finish line first right it is about a civic conversation about the priorities for our city and what's what's been going wrong in the past administration right especially when it's an open seat like this like this is the time for us to have some public conversations and yet even when you do get invited to a forum, you're getting decontextualized sound bites, right?
1: Absolutely. We're restricted to brief introductions, 50 seconds, uh, brief answers, yeah. 50, 60 seconds, uh, 90 seconds. You're not able effectively to challenge some of the, because some of the answers are just not true, (laughs) (laughs) but you're not in a courtroom, so you can't, uh, and that also is a form of voter suppression, because if voters don't have an idea about what these candidates represent, what their actual track records are, then you're not able to vote in an informed manner. I forget which French revolutionary said it, but the key to tyranny is keeping the public ignorant. Mm. And so in both ways, by suppressing who's going to be on panel and then how long you have to talk about these very important issues, that is a wonderful way to keep the public clueless.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about some of the issues that you're most passionate about? And certainly the West End TIF has been a big one for people who aren't, haven't been following this. What's a TIF and what's the West End TIF and where's your position on it?
1: TIF stands for tax incremental financing. And this is something that my organization, uh, Neighborhood Planning and Preservation MPP, we've been fighting this for a long time. And we've been raising the issue of how this is essentially corporate welfare. Mm. Um, And they're all structured. You know, they're different. They're structured differently. But essentially what it provides is tax revenue within a district to provide to developers to develop what they want.
0: So taking away taxes that used to go to the public.
1: Right. Or should go to the public. Should go to the public. Right.
0: And funneling it instead towards funding this development, which supposedly has a public good, but... We saw with the Omni Hotel that was supposed to put in a nice downtown grocery store. Don't get started.
1: <laughs> what happened
0: there, right? <laughs> no, that's
1: the pattern. So we get the sales pitch when these things are approved by Metro Council or are get passed through. But at the end of the day, it is a way for big developers, corporations to get the funding that they want to build what they want. And see, that is the other loss for the community, because what do we need as a community? We talk about walkable communities, sustainable communities. So that means you need to have shopping in the community, hopefully a school that's taken care of in the community, affordable housing, right? not defined by, you know, developers, but (laughs) housing that people can afford. We have too many people... Working at McDonald's and living in their cars, but that's a whole other mm. conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, tips, uh, IRBs. There's a there's a, a long list of ways that governments who have been captured enable the work of developers, whose last concern. If you have a developer coming from Cincinnati or Atlanta, do you think they care? If our neighborhood is walkable or if they're creating some problems, no, they get their money, right. they build, and then they're out of here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that is um that is a major concern. and when I look at my competitors or my opponents, I think people need to recognize that we have running individuals. We have Mr. Duriff who thinks. Well, this West End TIF can be tweaked, and we'll make sure the community is part of it, you know. And so that type of thinking, which I view as coming from the 20th century, and it's never worked, uh, that's what we have here. We have uh, Craig Greenberg, who actually helped write the legislation for the West End TIF. Which, by the way, that legislation snuck through the legislature, was passed 10 minutes before the last, really? 10 minutes before midnight on the last day of really? the legislature. Wow. So, w- why would a developer, which is what Mr. Greenberg is, why would he be given, he and uh, Steve Poe, why would they be given the opportunity to craft legislation? that's gonna benefit them and their crony network, why would they wonder why folks are questioning that? So people, when they go to vote, they need to remember. You have a choice between folks who wanna change things to the betterment of the community or folks who really are still locked in 20th century thinking that what's good for us my company, my group, my whatever—it's going to trickle down to goodness for everyone. Hmm. It just doesn't happen.
0: I'm excited to be talking today with Martina Kunicki. She is an independent mayoral candidate. You can learn more at Kanicki4Mayor.com. That's K-U-N-N-E-C-K-E. F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R dot com. Radio, as a reminder, does not endorse any particular candidates. We're all about informing the electorate. We want to get as many candidates in the studio as possible to let you know who is on your ballot on November 8th. And yes, there are nine candidates for Louisville's next mayor. The mainstream media is only going to cover the Republican and Democrat. Here on Forward Radio, independent media, we cover independent candidates, socialist candidates. Everybody is given equal airtime here. So um, we're really excited to be talking with you today, Martina. Uh, you've, you already started touching on it, the issue of houselessness. I wonder if we could spend a little time talking about that. I think there's nobody in Louisville who doesn't understand that it's a problem. The question is, what should we do about it? And what is what are some of your solutions?
1: Yeah, it's very troubling and once again there's a corporate root to it because when you think of all the building, all the construction that has occurred in the last 15 years or so, what are they building? They're either building housing that folks are not going to qualify for, so I'm thinking or they'll get kicked out of and not be asked to return. So I'm thinking about the Beach Terrace type of things hmm. or Shepherd Square. You know, we really need to look at how many folks actually were able to return to
0: their home community. There was displacement, for sure.
1: There was displacement, and that's sort of glossed over, and there's a nice, shiny tale that we're supposed to believe. And it's
0: such a long process, we forget about it. We
1: forget about it because there's other things to, (laughs) yeah, just move on. Nice buildings went up, so everything (laughs) must be okay. Then on the other side of the spectrum, developers tend to go for upscale Upscale, upscale, or what they say is affordable housing, but in a market such as ours where people are working two or three jobs to make an ends meet, who can afford an apartment that's costing $1,200 a month? Oh, yeah. And it's like a little bitty postage stamp apartment. So, why do we have homeless? I mean, is there any wonder? Now, there is a tendency among my opponents to paint the traditional picture of, oh, it's folks with mental health problems only, or it's, you know, the veterans, which we, who we've not treated right. Right. Sure. Yeah. And those are certainly present among the houseless population. But I think people would be surprised who's living on the street. People would be surprised who's living under the viaduct, who's sleeping in their car, who's, you know, sleeping at a cousin's house, a friend's house, hopping from sofa to sofa. It's much more diverse than that. And then the immediate outlook is not good because our incomes in this community are so stagnant. I saw figures the other day nationwide, not here necessarily, where the housing costs have catapulted and, like, so many years like a hundred hundred fifteen percent and salaries have only gotten like 25 if that boost over the same time period so I would start looking at what is built already I wonder how much of this property is sitting vacant, waiting for an Airbnb opportunity yes, or that exactly. sort of thing. <laughs> uh, and I would begin to hold these developers responsible for promises they made regarding affordable housing. And as a community, I think we need to have a serious conversation involving the community about what their experience has been with public housing, because there's some, you know, horror stories there. But then also in terms of what can they afford? Yeah. What's left over in your salary or your income at the end of the month after you've paid for housing? Um, Also, another issue is now there is a group, and I've just been following them a bit, a new tenants union movement. That's right. I am thrilled about that. Yeah. Because part of the problem here are landlords in state or from outside the city or across town who are charging astronomical rents. But not taking care of their property, mm. the eviction problem is very, very bad, mm. and even among LMHA or some of this public housing, there's some issues. So we'll be looking at that def- uh, very much so under my administration.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely feel like whenever this question is asked to sort of the mainstream candidates, it's all about social services. We just need to provide the right social services, and of course, we do. Like we are so Absolutely. far far behind on that, but. Okay, we get them healthy. We get them on their feet again. Where are they going to live?
1: Where are they going to (laughs) live? Where are they going to live? And they, you know, that language, Justin. We have to help them. We have to. It's um. It's sort of condescending. Right. And then it discourages people who do not fall in those categories, who are really struggling, who are to stand up and say, Wait a minute. I have respect for those populations, and they do need help. Yeah. But here I am with my family working working <laughs> yeah. really hard, and we can't do anything other than pay our rent at right. when the day is done. So it, it almost places this shroud of shame over something that's not really their fault. We need to change the system.
0: And, of course, uh a huge part of our houseless population are children. Yes. Right? Yes. So we talk about the addicted and the mentally ill and the veterans. Okay. But we also have this huge homeless child population. Well, right? and
1: JCPS actually has a special department that deals with houseless children. Right. Yeah. yeah. How many children are sleeping with their parents in a car or in a, right. you know, a truck? And the, the whole houseless situation. Well, first of all, I still use homeless because of this. What we're talking about is a traumatized population that does not have a place where they have a a real community, mm-hmm. where they do not have housing safety, mm-hmm. where they don't have safety, period, where they don't know what it's going to be like from day to day. Mm-hmm. They lack a home. Mm-hmm. They do not have a home. And that carries with it so many stressors. I was reading an article the other day that talked about this is another example where people have post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah. If you are growing up as a child, never sleeping in your own bed, never knowing you know where you're going to, have to park your car, to you know never taking a shower, eating a meal, it's destructive to family life. And this is something that lives with people long, long after if they ever become uh, have a place to, that calls that they can call their own. Yeah. They're still going to be suffering the trauma of that. Mm -hmm.
0: And, of course, part of the reason housing is so unaffordable is utilities. And we do a terrible job in Louisville of keeping our utilities affordable because there's corporate capture of the utilities as well, right? And
1: I believe now, out of... Who owns lg e now? I think it's a German company. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? We'll never know we'll because never... they don't want us to know. <laughs>
1: no. no, but I'm glad you mentioned all these other costs. So even if you get some kind of help on your housing cost, and I don't think people who are not faced with these challenges do not understand how stressful it is to have to juggle the housing mm-hmm. issue, then juggle the issue of paying utilities oh, that, that creep bills. up yep. and up mm-hmm. and up and up. If you, a lot of this housing is not well insulated. If you have a landlord, most likely they're not going to do much about it. Just the cost of day to day living is going up under inflation now. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we start getting rid of the notion of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can just do it because the system is stacked against ordinary people yeah. and the costs are rising.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, We've only got five minutes left for for many different things. Um, let's talk about the recent issue of the sewer odor in our city. All right. you, you've criticized this as an example of our, how, how our local government is failing. You want to talk a little bit about it?
1: Well, and those of us who live in the West End, which I do. you got odors all year round, right? <laughs> that's right. So welcome to our
0: world. Indeed.
1: And you know what, Justin, I'd forgotten about it, and I was on my way to a campaign event the other night, and we I forget where we were, but we were driving, and then suddenly there was that older, and everyone's yep. kind of checking themselves yep. to make sure they've not, you mm-hmm. know, done something. <laughs> but... Uh, Now, I'm told that it's because we've not had a lot of rain. Absolutely. And and that's what's happening. Uh, I would like better answers than that. And living in the West End, there are certain corners that you can stand on in the West End. There's a bus stop because I ride the bus all the time. Uh, down on Broadway, that it is almost. In fact, when I get there, I walk down another block to catch the bus because yeah. the odor is so bad. So a lot gets dumped into our sewer, mm-hmm. and I'm told that a major contributor to the odor there is Heaven Hill. Absolutely, Heaven Hill. It, Heaven Hill, which wanted to build a methane plant in the middle of a neighborhood in the West End, uh, they wanted to deal with. Um, They wanted the methane plants to deal with the waste from their process, which they apparently dump in the sewer. Yeah, they do. And, um, and, you know, along the way, that's going to intermingle with other things. And then given the environmental conditions, you know, rain, uh, heat, or whatever, it can really be a stinking mess. So as mayor, I know what they keep telling us. There's just nothing we can do about it. But as a mayor, I'm going to be much more serious about looking at solutions, 21st century uh, solutions to uh, better corporate citizenship and trying to make life for people who live in the community better. Mm.
0: I don't wanna ask this question, but I feel like it's the elephant in the room and I have an obligation to. So what would you say? I'm to, to progressive voters who are listening now, and are worried about the spoiler effect, given okay. that we don't have instant runoff voting yeah. in Louisville, like many communities are starting to have in more progressive places in the world. But uh, in, in that situation, if I wanted to vote for an independent candidate uh, and they didn't get enough votes to win, my my second choice would count, right? For, right we right. don't have that system here. So I'm sure there are voters who may be worried if I vote for you, Am I putting Bill D Ruff in office?
1: I know, and for years I'm among the progressives who have already determined that there's not much difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. When you have one of the front runners who has managed to leverage the largest TIF on record that's going to displace West you know, West Louisville West End. It's just not going to look – it's going to look very different uh, demographically than it does now. Yeah. Um, how is that any different <laughs> from uh, the businessman who thinks that, oh, we can tweak, we can tweak it and make it better? They're, they're speaking in the same language. Mm-hmm. But I understand the trepidation that people feel because we've been encouraged to be so separated yeah, along yeah, yeah. party lines and not even look at the records of people. Just step in line, uh, vote as you're told. Um, In this particular race, I would encourage people to remember that we, on one side of the ticket, we have a Democrat who once again has been handed to us by the elite in this community. Uh, One of my supporters the other day sent me a sticker that says, Craig rhymes with Greg. (laughs) And so... I, you know, I hate to say there's more truth in that yeah. than we may want to face. And at the end of the day, as a historian, because that's one of the caps I wear, if people look back in history, it's never the the leaders that make the change. It's always the people that make the change. And what happens is that there's some defining event or there's a wake-up call or there's such a level of misery that people rise up and say hey what has been working doesn't work anymore I'm looking for something different we've got to do something different so the change has to come from us and I believe that this community is poised for change because we have had some wake-up calls with the demonstrations with the police issues with how COVID has kind of shifted things around. And when you look at the results of the primaries, who would have ever thought that Shamika Parrish would come in second, an Mm. African-American female against the person who had the biggest campaign chest, has been literally anointed by the powers that be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're at a crossroads in Louisville, Kentucky. And I believe that many people are ready to say, come on, let's try to make our government work better for
0: us. What a great note to end on. I'm sorry we're all out of time. It's been such a pleasure having an independent mayoral candidate on the air with me. Martina Konecki has been our guest today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you for taking the time, and thank you for doing the public service of Running for Office. in It's you. a serious campaign that Can is I not just one, about you. right? I need to say one last oh, thing. Oh, please, please.
1: If I've convinced people to vote for me, please remember on election day to not to vote straight party. Go ahead and go down the ballot and vote for folks individually. I'm like halfway down the ballot, Martina Nichols-Kenneke.
0: Great. I'm glad you pointed that out, too. Yeah, we, we don't even know how to vote in this country. That's a good point. Don't. If you want to vote for an independent mayoral candidate, you cannot choose the straight party party ticket even though you're going to have to vote for a lot of races because there's a bunch but do your homework go vote ky.com get a sample ballot learn about who your candidates are and we will continue supporting an informed electorate here on forward radio so thanks again Martine. thank you stay tuned everybody coming up in just a second your community action calendar yes i got a bunch of ideas about how you can get engaged in sustainability this week so get your pencils sharpened and your calendars out my friends stay tuned
2: While the sun shines bright oh. On my old Kentucky home Tis summer and the people are gay And the corn tops fly oh. While the meadows are in bloom The birds are making music all the day Said weeping no more, my lady Sing one song for my whole Kentucky home For my whole Kentucky home far away Now the young folks roll on that little cabin floor All merry, all happy and bright By and by hard times come a knocking at the door I hope Kentucky home good night. Said weep no more, my lady. Oh, and weep no more today. And we'll sing one song for
0: my. And we are back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mugg. I hope you got your calendars out. And your pencil sharpened and you are ready to take action for sustainability, my friends. This week could be your week to get engaged. There's so much going on. Well, first of all, it is Sustainability Week at the University of Louisville. Every year we put on this great full week of events to celebrate, raise awareness, and engage your passions for environmental, social, and economic justice. It is all open to the public, and it runs all week through Friday. Coming up on Tuesday, the 25th, there's a couple of events on campus. There'll be a free sale hosted by the University of Louisville's free store, at the Red Barn. It'll probably be outside because the weather will be so nice right in front of the Red Barn, right there at the clock tower from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Then uh, at 2.30 p.m., the Department of Geographic and Environmental Sciences will host a seminar series featuring UofL professor of biology, Dr. Andrew Mehring, through his ecosystem ecology lab at UofL. Dr. Mehring studies animal effects on greenhouse gas flux, urban ecology, limnology, biogeochemistry, green infrastructure, stream restoration, stormwater management, and global change. Dr. Maring will be speaking at 2.30 on zoogeochemistry and the effect of water birds and invertebrates on wetland greenhouse gas emissions. It's in the brand new Belknap Academic Building, room 130, at 2.30 on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's the 15th annual Campus Sustainability Day Fair held on the main humanities quad and we will be putting everything we do in Sustainability Uvel on the front porch and then inviting All kinds of wonderful organizations from the community to have booths as well. Come on, check out what's going on in our community for sustainability and get involved 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Wednesday, the 26th. Then at 6 p.m., there's a couple events on campus for Sustainability Week on Wednesday. Emily Bingham will be speaking on her new book, My Old Kentucky Home, which complicates the history of that historic song and the history of slavery here in Kentucky. You won't want to miss that lecture. It's free. It's at 6 p.m. on Wednesday in Strickler Hall, room 101. Or at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, you can check out parts one and two of a brand new documentary film called Roots So Deep. You can see the devil down there. It's playing at the Speed Museum's cinema. Parts 1 and 2 are on Wednesday at 6 and parts 3 and 4 are on Thursday the 27th at 6pm. This is a four part documentary series all about inventive farmers and maverick scientists building a path to solving climate change with hooves, heart, and soil. Each evening's screenings are followed by a post-screening discussion with Louisville-born director Peter Bick who is now a professor of practice in the School of Sustainability and the Walter Cronkite School of journalism at arizona state university peter bick was also the writer director and producer of the documentaries carbon nation and garbage you won't want to miss this opportunity to dialogue with him and get a preview of his brand new documentary roots so deep one of the best films about agriculture ever made it's at the speed cinema wednesday and thursday at 6 p.m parts one and two are wednesday and parts three and four on thursday also on Thursday, october twenty seventh for U of L Sustainability Week from 1.30 to five in the Student Activity Center Ballroom, there's gonna be a supplier diversity vendor showcase. Don't wanna miss this opportunity to connect with some black-owned women-owned uh, local businesses and then on friday we wrap it up with Uville sustainability week at noon on the 28th there'll be an eco reps lunch and learn all about do-it-yourself solar power that's going to be held in davidson hall room 101 or you can also join us online and then on friday at 1 p.m right after that out at the garden commons at the southwest corner of strickler hall behind the speed art museum garage we're going to do a workshop on aquaponics that's growing fish and vegetables at the same time and using uh, the fish waste to fertilize the vegetables it's a really cool system we're getting up and running at U of L, so come check it out at 1 o'clock on Friday. There's more information about the full week of U of L Sustainability Week events at Louisville.edu slash sustainability. All right, my friends, the election is nearing, and in in person, excused absentee voting begins this week on october 26 go to go for all the information you need about how to uh, how and where you can vote and to access a sample ballot for your precinct with two constitutional amendments u.s and kentucky congressional seats nine candidates for louisville mayor and every single judge on the ballot as well as some school board seats you will most definitely want to do some research before you show up at the polls you can find Find your sample ballot ballot at GoVoteKY.com. And again, in-person excused absentee voting runs from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. starting this week, October 26th, 27th, and 28th. And then again, October 31st, November 1st, and 2nd. It's all taking place at the Jefferson uh, County Clerk Election Center. They're at 1000 East Liberty Street. And in-person, no excuse, early voting for everyone is November 3rd through 5th. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at seven locations around the county and of course election day is coming up Tuesday November 8th when the polls will be open 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. learn more at govoteky.com all right let's get back to Wednesday October 25th that's the U.N. Day and U.N. Human Rights Day program it's online from 10 a.m. to 3 30 p.m. This event is co-sponsored by the United Nations Association USA Kentucky Division, the Floyd's Fork Environmental Association, and Rotary Club of Kentucky, and it includes many conferences on anti-human trafficking as well as clean water. Some highlights from the day include at 11 a.m. there'll be uh, Dr. Azurdi M. Garland speaking on interfamilial human trafficking dialogue and then at 12:20, uh it's forever chemicals and pfos uh, with a world health organization representative speaking at 1 it'll be murdered and missing indigenous peoples with kieran johnson uh and you won't want to miss that and then at 2 p.m it's angel of alabama a pfos documentary film and elijah yetter bowman a f- uh, founder of ethereal films and director researcher and filmmaker that's at 2 p.m. as part of the U.N. Day and U.N. Human Rights Day program on Wednesday, which runs from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. online. Find full details and more information about how to register at facebook.com slash Kentucky Division. Facebook.com slash U.N.A. Kentucky Division. Also on Wednesday the 26th at 6 p.m. at the Fraser History Museum, 829 West Main Street, it's Kentucky's Native History. What do we know about Kentucky's Native History and how far back does it date? As part of their exhibition, The Commonwealth Divided We Fall, We know Native peoples first arrived in the land we now call Kentucky more than 12,000 years ago. As we commemorate Native American Heritage Month, we've assembled a panel of experts to give us the facts, dispel the myths, and show us what has been uncovered to reveal the truth. What tribes were here, how did they live, and what happened to them? And what about current day in Kentucky and beyond the stories still unfolding? Uh, We're also inviting guests in our audience to share their native stories. Opening remarks include Mike Berry, Secretary of Kentucky Tourism, Arts and Heritage Cabinet. And then guests include Anne Bader, Principal Investigator for Corn Island Archaeology. Uh, a. Gwyn Henderson, uh, Education Director at Kentucky Archaeological Survey. LaDonna Brown, Director of Research and Cultural Interpretation at the Chickasaw Nation, Consultant for the Commonwealth Divided We Fall. Fred Nez Keems, a Navajo flute player, and will be moderated by Rachel Platt of the Fraser History Museum. You can find tickets and more information at frasermuseum.org. That's F R A Z I E R museum.org. And I want to remind you that volunteers are needed on Friday, October 28th to come on out and help Common Earth Gardens plant pollinator-friendly gardens at community ag sites, as you've heard, around our uh, community. And coming up this Friday, the 28th, they'll be planting out at Incubator Farm 3122 Millers Lane. They need volunteers in two different shifts from 1 to 3 and 3.30 to 5.30. More info and signups are at tinyurl.com slash we love pollinators my favorite url (laughs) and uh, coming up this saturday october 29th from 10 a.m to 2 p.m it's the next pop-up drop-off free recycling event for residents of jefferson county this month on saturday from 10 to 2 they'll be at metro fleet services 3515 Newburg road accepted items include up to three electronic items for recycling metal and appliances uh, for recycling they do not accept refrigerator or any other items containing coolant, but other metal and appliances are welcome. Up to four passenger tires can be recycled. Household recyclables following curbside rules as well as yard waste following curbside rules and wooden pallets that will all be composted. You can bring your documents for shredding and recycling and prescription medication can be dropped off for proper disposal as well. That's this Saturday the 29th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Metro Fleet Services 3515 Newburgh Road. More information at Louisville ky.gov slash recycling and that is all the time we have for today here on sustainability now i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time my friends be well